Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good evening, CityWalk. How are we doing this? I almost, literally almost said, good evening, CityWalk. How are you doing this morning? Because I'm so used to that. Uh, but good evening. Some of you are watching online. Uh, glad that you have uh, taken some time out of your schedule to spend some time with us. Before we dive into uh, what I think is going to be a really, really important and practical series that we're going to get into tonight, wanted to remind you, if you're new to City Walk, I know uh, some of you are new, some of you have been around a little while, and you've been thinking, hey, what's one way that I can really get connected? Well, once a month, we do a thing called Growth Track, and it's coming up next Saturday. Uh, we do it from 10 to 12, uh, right in the fellowship hall on Saturday morning. And basically what it is, it's a time for you to ask questions, to get to know what the church believes, why the church believes what it believes, kind of learn how to grow in your faith better. And it's just a really good time to, to get to know and kind of get connected. And so that's next uh, Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. And so uh, you can sign up for that in the app. And I wanted to throw that out because uh, I know that's been really helpful to some people just wanting to get connected. And so if you haven't been through that, check it out next Saturday. This past week, uh, our family, we, uh, it's been spring break for our kids, like some of your kids and grandkids. And uh, we took a couple days and we went to Napa and got a hotel there. And one of the evenings that we were there, you, you know how it is when you go to a hotel and my, my littlest one, she loves this, like we had two TVs. So like, what, this is like the best world. And I mean, if I don't like what mom and dad are watching, I just go into the other room where the large TV is and I can watch what I want. So, so we were watching one night, we're kind of flipping through the channels and I was drawn into one of my favorites of all time, Rocky. Uh, Rocky came on, and it was his 2006, kind of the last Rocky. That It's actually called Rocky Balboa, uh, and it's kind of the final where like Rocky's like 85 years old, and he still comes back. And, and what the thing is about this movie, and you know this about movies that you love, you, you know what's going to happen. Like you're saying the lines with them, you know exactly how it's going to play out, but you're just drawn in every single time. Uh, as you think about those movies, and maybe you're watching online, and you can put yours in the comments, like, what are some of those movies for you that, man, when you watch them, you're literally just filling in the blanks, and you're like, hey, let's fast forward to my favorite part. You, you know the whole movie, and Rocky's one of those for me. Another one of those is The Karate Kid, and The Karate Kid <coughs> has gotten... Uh, popular again because of the Cobra Kai series, and it's kind of brought Karate Kid to a whole new generation. And if you've never watched Karate Kid, which probably most of you have, it's about this guy by the name of Daniel. Uh, he and his mom, his single mom, they moved from New Jersey to L.A., and his mom's something with her job. And, and so Daniel gets to L.A., and he begins to try to make friends. And he makes some friends, but then he also real quickly makes some pretty bad enemies. And you know this, if you've watched it, man, his arch enemy 
is a guy that kind of leads this group of guys from Cobra Kai, this karate dojo, and his arch enemy, the leader of the Cobra Kai, is a guy named Johnny Lawrence. And so basically, Johnny Lawrence, for the first third of the movie, basically uses Daniel as a punching bag. And he beats up on him, and, and they're kind of back and forth. And then if you watch the movie, there's, there's this one moment where this Japanese kind of old guy, handyman, he saves Daniel. And then what he does is he goes with Daniel to the, the, the Cobra Kai's dojo, and he makes a deal with the sensei, who's another snake. And, and, and uh, you've watched it. You're, you, you, you understand, like, man, these guys do really good at making you not like them. Like, they're, they're probably nice guys in real life, but man, if I saw Johnny Lawrence walking down the road, I'd probably want to punch him because he, he, you don't like him. So, so Mr. Miyagi, he sits down or talks to uh, their, their kind of sensei, and he says, hey, man, let's make a deal. You quit beating up on my guy, and they make a deal, and the deal is, yeah, we'll leave Daniel alone, but he has to fight in the All-Valley Tournament. And so basically what Mr. Miyagi does is he, he says, you know what, I'll train you, Daniel, because Mr. Miyagi's like this, this karate Yoda that knows everything. And he uses very unconventional kind of training methods. And one of the things you watch as you watch this movie, and many of you watched it many times, as you watch this, this guy, Daniel, his thinking totally change. And he, he goes from this kid who's a victim, he's afraid, to now he wants to get revenge. And then he spends time with Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi trains him in karate, but he also works with him in his thinking. And now he gets to the All-Valley Tournament, and he's a totally different guy. And in the midst of this tournament where this, this dojo Cobra Kai is cheating and they're trying to manipulate the situation, and they're trying to intimidate Daniel, we have one of the greatest clips in the history of movies. So you and I, we've, we're never going to get bullied by the guys from Cobra Kai, but, but just like Daniel, every single one of us is and has battled with our thinking. Uh, we've battled with our thinking, and whether we like it or not, bottom line is the battle that we have with our thinking has a huge effect on how we live our life, and it also has an effect on those that are closest to us, whether we like it or not. And over the next four weeks, we we're starting a series tonight where we're going to walk through what does the scripture say about our thinking, and, and does it always have to be a loss? Can we walk in victory in how we think, or will we always walk in defeat? And there was a guy in the scriptures that probably, as good as anybody, understood what it was like to battle with his thoughts. And it was a guy by the name of Paul. Paul, before he was a follower of Jesus, he was a guy that was uh, one of the opponents of Jesus. And we've talked about him a lot over the, the last few months here at our church. But he was an opponent of Jesus. In fact, he did everything he could to stop the movement of Jesus, to the point where he, he would hurt people. He was a part of the very first murder of a Christian, the first martyr, and he was a part of that, and he was actually excited about it and enthusiastic about it. In fact, in Acts chapter 7, it says this, verse 58, as it speaks of this guy named Paul, who at that point was named Saul, his mindset as someone was being killed for following Jesus 
And it says this, they dragged him out of the city. The guy's name was Stephen. And they began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, who would later have his name changed to Paul. So you have this young man. He's probably in his 20s. He's an enthusiastic, aggressive man. He's, he's, he's going after stopping people from following Jesus. He thinks the movement of Jesus is actually the enemy of what he believes. And so it says, and, and, and you can read in Acts how Stephen, he, he preaches a message to the religious leaders and they get so mad. that They get so angry at him that it, it says they drug him outside the city. And they picked up stones, and, and before they could throw stones, they had to remove their, their jackets so they could throw the stones better. And, and Saul was the guy that held their jackets and cheered them on while they killed Stephen. So, so for, for Paul, even, even though he met Jesus and was forgiven, how many nights do you think Paul fell asleep remembering Stephen's face? How many nights do you think that, that, that Paul fell asleep and, and though he knew he was forgiven, though he knew uh, God had, had changed his life, how many nights do you think he fell asleep listening to those stones hit Stephen? And then Paul, not only did he understand what it was like to have a past that he regretted and some things in his past that if he allowed them to could capture his thinking he also knew what it was like as a follower of Jesus to deal with constant criticism. He, he was a guy that, as he walked into cities, everywhere he went, he was ridiculed, he was mocked. Before he was a follower of Jesus, he helped kill Christians. And now that he's a follower of Jesus, everywhere he goes, he's mocked. Everywhere he goes, he's in danger. Everywhere he goes, he doesn't know if this is his last day. So if anybody knew what it was like to have to deal with thinking and really uh, help gather his thinking in a way that pleased God, he understood it. He understood what it was like because no matter how spiritual a person is, if you're not careful, and Paul understood this, our thinking can move into really unhealthy patterns. And we all know this, where our thoughts go, our life follows. Another way to say it is this, your life is never far behind your thoughts. Your life will always follow your thoughts. Remember when you were growing up and you, you played follow the leader on the playground, remember that game? Well, well, the guy up front or the gal up front, they were the, they were the leader and you had to do everything that they did. And that's what this is like. It's your, your thoughts are right in front of you. And before you know it, you will do what your thoughts tell you to because your life will always follow behind your thoughts. In the scientific world, this is called cognitive behavior psychology. Even, even people that aren't followers of Jesus understand this. They understand that, uh, that when, when there's things in your life that, that in fact, they, they've studied it, some of the eating disorders, some of the addictions that people have, it all goes back to toxic thinking. 
And, and these aren't people that are necessarily followers of Jesus. There's just science out there that says, hey, a lot of the things that you're dealing with, if you go all the way back to what was the beginning of it, it was toxic thinking. And that toxic thinking led to these different struggles and the different things in your life. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs 23. Verse 7, it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So Bible says one thing, science agrees. Every single one of us here can sit down and, and talk through experiences of how our thinking has drastically affected our life for good, but also for bad. And so the question is this, what can be done about it? I mean, can anything... Can anything really be done with the, the battle in my mind, the thinking issues that I have? Is there any hope for that? Or will I always live with anxiety? Will I always live with insecurity? Will I always struggle with lust? Will there always be fear in my mind? Will I always walk into a room and think, am I enough? Is it just going to be something I'm just going to have to manage for the rest of my life that I can never really get victory over? And, and here's the, the, the great thing is because of what we celebrated last Sunday morning, the answer is no. Because Jesus didn't die on the cross and raise from the dead so that you and I could manage our thoughts for the rest of our life. He died on the cross and rose from the grave so that he could transform our thoughts for the rest of our life. Not just try to manage them and like, well, I'm just always going to deal with this. I'm always going to lust. I'm always going to be afraid. I'm always going to have anxiety. He died. He rose from the grave so that that could be transformed. And the Apostle Paul understood this if anybody did. If anybody had a past and anybody had regrets, he was the guy. But he understood that Jesus died so that he could be transformed from the inside out. And Paul talks about it in a letter that he wrote to some friends of his in the city of Corinth. He wrote about this. And I want you to lean in, whether you're a follower of Jesus or maybe you're investigating faith, maybe you're watching online. I want you to lean in because I guarantee every single person here this week, every single one of us, you've battled with your thoughts. On some level, you may not have battled the way I battled. I may not have battled the way you battled, but you battled with your thoughts. Everybody watching online, here's what I know about your week. You battled with your thoughts. And for some, you are maybe regret or you are discouraged. And Paul tells us that there is hope. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, as he explains this to some friends of his. He says this. He says, for although we live in the flesh, basically, hey, we live in a body. We have limitations in our body. We do not wage war according to the flesh. So what are you saying, Paul? He says, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. Basically, what's Paul saying is, hey, you, you live in a body and your body has human limitations. We get that. 
but, but the battle that you have for your thoughts, you, you're not going to use human weapons. You're not going to use weapons that have human limitations. The weapons that are going to pull down strongholds in your mind are weapons that are divine or of God, much more powerful than your human flesh can have. I brought on the stage, this is my father-in-law's. If you know my father-in-law, you understand that he, he probably has a lot of these. So I got a water gun. Anytime you can bring a water gun on the stage, it's just a good day. So I brought, I, there's no water in here, so don't, I see people like, eh. so, so I got a water gun here, and, and if we were outside and it was, I didn't have a microphone on, and, and you were okay with it, and you had a water gun, like, we could have a lot of fun. This is a kind of warm night, and we could have a lot of fun with this. But if, if, if I was going to war, and we have, some, we have some military guys and gals in the audience even tonight, and I was going to a war in the Middle East somewhere and, and fighting against, uh, you know, people that had more than water guns to fight with, I, I could bring the water gun with me, and I mean, I could put all the water in there as I could, and I could even have a bucket right here with extra water. And I promise you, there's no army in the world that is going to be intimidated by me, even if I had a thousand of these and a thousand people with me. No, nobody's going to be like, whoa, all right, we, white flag, we're done, we're good. No, but, but here's, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, you know what? Some of you, you've been battling with your thoughts, and he's going to talk more about it. And he says, some of you, you, you go into a battle with like a water gun, and you think like that's going to do the trick. Yeah, you, you go into a battle with lust and you're like, well, dude, I got like a, a great water gun. Or you go into a battle with, with anxiety or fear and you've got your water gun loaded. He's like, man, this is not the type of weapon that's going to win that battle. Your little human water gun weapons isn't going to do the trick. He says, man, he says, you have some strongholds that need to be torn down. And when he's talking about strongholds, he's talking about fortresses that would be built in, in the middle of a city, and then there would be up to 20-foot thick walls put around them. And it was where like the, the military leaders would stay or the prisoners that they didn't want to get out would stay. And so it was really hard to get to those because they were in the middle of a walled city in the middle of that area with another wall around them. And these fortresses were built so that they, people couldn't get into them. And Paul's saying, hey, you've got some fortresses in your mind. You've got some strongholds in your mind. You've got some fear. You've got some lust. You've got some anxiety. You've got some, and you fill in the blank, and they're strongholds. And, and the enemy has built walls around them. And man, he doesn't want those to get anything to get at them. And instead of you bringing your little water gun to the, to the fight because it's never going to work, you've been provided with some weapons that are much stronger. They're actually divine. They're from God. And, and he, I, you have these weapons for the demolition of strongholds. He, Paul continues. He says this. We demolish arguments. We don't pet them. We don't like touch them. We demolish arguments. And every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. He's saying, man, we, we are actively trying to capture thoughts 
in our mind that are not of God. We are not letting thoughts rent space in our head anymore. We're going after them. We're taking them captive if they don't line up with God's truth. And we're pulling them out. We're not just letting them hang out in our head anymore. We're no longer going to be a victim. We're no longer going to let unhealthy thoughts rent space in our mind. We're not doing it anymore. He says, he says, man, we're on the hunt. We're on the hunt. We're using God's weapons to pull down those strongholds in our minds. We're on the hunt. We're taking them captive. We're actively going after this instead of being a victim. And, and you know what? When Paul says this, I mean, it's kind of like the pregame huddle. We got some coaches in our, our church, and uh, we got some, the boys from Yuba City today, they won, and uh, some of them, they're not here tonight because they were playing football, but man, we've got some coaches from, from some of our local football teams, and man, and what Paul just did is he pulled the team in. What he just said, I pulled the team in. All right, we're going to tear down strongholds. We're going to take them captive, and I'm sure everybody was like, yes, but then he had to break the huddle, and it's like, okay, what, how do we do that, Paul? I like it. That's a great idea. <laughs> Let's do that, but, but how do I do that? What do, you, what do we do? What's the play? And what's cool is in a, another letter Paul wrote to the people in Rome, he kind of lays out the play. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he gives us some practical help to know, okay, man, if we're, we're no longer letting thoughts just rent space in our head, we're lo no longer going to be the victim, and this is always how it's going to be. No, we're taking them captive. We're pulling down strongholds. We're not allowing thoughts in our mind that don't line up with God's truth to just hang out. Well, how do I do that? Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he tells us. He says, do not be conformed to this age. What do you mean, Paul? He's basically saying, he's saying, quit copying the values. Quit copying the systems. Quit, quit just like, it's the idea of like a masquerade. Just quit acting like the, the world around you when you're different on the inside. Quit copying the world. Don't be conformed. He says this. He says, instead, be transformed. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. It's that idea of a total change from the inside out. Don't be conformed. Instead, be transformed from the inside out. And, he, and he, then he says this. He says, by the renewing of your mind. This idea of renewing is, if you're, if you're an HDTV person, like this is your word. This idea of renewing is the idea of renovating. So like every other show now on HDTV is a, a good-looking couple like tearing out stuff of a house and putting new stuff in. It started with one, now it's like every show. And you're like, are you really doing all that work? Or somebody else that's not like as good-looking as your couple? Like some, you're bringing in some grubby people to do all the hard work and you're making all the money. But because that's what every show is. But, but you've watched those shows where you walk into a, a, a house and it's, man, it's a train wreck inside. The walls are like about to fall down. There's like roaches and mice running around. And you think, man, are they ever be able to do anything? And Paul's saying, yes, that's your brain. And, and here's how you fix it. You go in and you tear out all that old stuff. You take it captive and you renovate the inside. You change it. You get all the bad stuff out and you put better stuff, truth, you change your thinking. See, what we've allowed, what we've kind of allowed to happen is 
we've kind of started to play this game with the news and with Hollywood and social media. And we try to act like we're original, but actually we're just allowing the media, Hollywood, and social media to just basically tell us what to think. I mean, we, we try to be different and all this and unique, but at the end of the day, a lot of people are just getting their cues from those places. And Paul's saying, you know what? Quit doing that. Quit just conforming to the world. Quit just, you know, copying everything. Quit, like, take the mask off. Quit the game. Instead of conforming to the world, change your thinking from the inside out by renovating your mind. You can do it. You can have victory in your mind. You don't have to worry every day of your life. You don't have to struggle with fear every day of your life. You don't have to struggle with lust every day of your life. You can renovate your mind with truth. And you can see transformation. And here's how it starts. The first thing, pretty like, yeah, duh. You have to identify the strongholds of wrong thinking. For, for some of us, let me just give you a few of these. Maybe, maybe you'd be able to be, you're probably not going to raise your hand, but you say, yep, that's me. What are some strongholds? Well, here's one of them. I'm a victim. Nothing good can ever happen to me. And you've just trained your mind. Like that's your thought. Just everything you see, you see through that filter of I'm a victim. Nothing good's ever going to happen to me. Uh, another one is, man, I'll never have victory over my porn addiction. And, and you've just, your mind, you've just trained your mind that, you know what, I'm never really going to have victory. And it's a stronghold in your mind. It's Satan. Man, he's doing his best to keep you thinking that way. Maybe, maybe another one is this. Worry and anxiety is just a part of life that I'll never be free from. Some of you, you don't go a week without a, a stomach issue. And it's not because you're sick. It's because you struggle with anxiety. And for some of us, man, you've, you've come to a place in your life where, where you literally are, you've just kind of given up. Like, that's just the way life's always going to be. And so it, there's this stronghold in your mind, like, this is just the way life's going to be. For some of you, you, you have a stronghold in your, your, your mind. It just says, God can't use me. There's, there's some past, there's some baggage. And so you've just told yourself enough, and now you believe it, and you see everything through the filter of, you know what? God can't use me. For some of you, it's, it's this idea of, of greed. And you wouldn't call it greed because that's kind of a mean way to say it. But this idea that I'll never have enough. And so you strive and strive. And you constantly tell yourself that. And it's what drives your life. And for some of us, we're, we're living a life based on lies. And we don't even know it. And, and in order to have victory, we have to stop long enough to say, what do I believe that is a lie? What is in my mind that really isn't true? And instead of letting it dictate my life, stop and identify it. But then the second thing we have to do is we have to name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. The scripture tells us this in John 8, 32, it says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
A lot of times, man, we'll, we'll identify the stronghold and we'll know, hey, man, this maybe isn't the right way to think and I need to stop thinking this way, but we don't do the hard work of taking that captive and replacing it with truth that demolishes that stronghold. Let me give you a few examples that the stronghold of I'm a victim, nothing good ever happens to me. What's the truth? What's the truth that demolishes that stronghold? We see it in Romans 8, 31 and 37. If God is for us, who is against us? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But we, we, we identify the stronghold and then we f- say, okay, what is the truth of God that, that, that tears that stronghold down that I can replace that stronghold with this thinking? Another one, stronghold that we talked about. I will never have victory over my porn addiction. And this is, man, you're watching online, you're, you're here tonight and you're thinking, man, I've struggled with this. Or, or maybe a different addiction, you can fill in the blank and you say, man, I'll never get victory and it's a stronghold. And then there's a truth that you can replace that with. Psalm 119, 9 through 11 says it this way. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. It's identifying a stronghold that's a lie and replacing it with truth. And instead of thinking constantly of that lie, it's that hard work of constantly putting that truth back into our minds. Because at the bottom, bottom line and at the end of the day, where our thoughts go, our life follows. And, and you know this, we will never have a healthy life with unhealthy thoughts. I mean, we can pretend, we can, we, can, we can fake each other out and pretend that our life's okay and pretend that we have a healthy life, but until we have healthy thoughts, we'll never have a healthy life. It's like me thinking I'm going to have a healthy body by going and eating donuts and ice cream every day. Like, I can pretend, and yet I can wear clothes that make me look a little better, but man, at the end of the day, if I constantly put that stuff in my body, I'm not going to have a healthy body. And in the same way, if, if I don't have healthy thoughts and I don't begin to tear down some of those strongholds and replace them with truth, I will not have a healthy life because my life always follows close behind my thoughts. And it's so important that we grab hold of this because if this is true, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at me. I want you to think, this, think about this. Whether you're watching online or you're here tonight, if it's true that your life follows your thoughts, are you good with the direction your thoughts are taking your life? If it's true that your life will follow your thoughts, are you good with the direction that your thoughts are taking your life? Are you thinking, are you so proud that you think you'll be the exception? Because there's probably people here watching online and you, you may not even be listening because you think you're the exception. You'll be the train wreck. That thought, oh no, that's not for me. Oh, that couldn't happen to me. I can manage unhealthy thoughts and still live a good life. Until you blow up your family, 
until you fill in the blank of some destructive thing that, that tears your life apart. And then you realize, you look back and you think, and some of us, we, we can, some of us are examples of this. And we could say, let me share my story. Let me share my story of how I thought I was the exception. How I thought I could manage thoughts and actions and, and how eh, they, I could handle it. I was disciplined enough. Let's, let's tell each other our stories. See, if it's true that our life follows our thoughts, are you good with the direction your life is going? And unless we decide to change our thinking, our lives will continue to move in the wrong direction. And, and here's, here's the truth. This can only happen. The only way that we're going to change our thinking, it's not going to be this, it's not a pill, it's a process. And we, I'm not against pills. Some of us need to take pills too, but I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But I'm just saying, it's not like a one-time thing. Like, hey, I was struggling today, and I, I tore that stronghold out, and I replaced it with truth, so I'm good for life. No. I have to do it the next hour, and I have to do it in the next hour, and I have to do it tomorrow. And before you know it, my thinking begins to change. It's like if you've ever been to our Yuba City post office. So you've been to our, we have a post office box for the church. So if you go into Yuba City's post office, or I don't know, we're, 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 I think, what are we, 1,004 is our post office box. And so you go in, and some of us have Yuba City brains with maybe 2,000, 3,000 boxes. Some of us have New York City, and you're like, brilliant, you've got thousands of boxes. But, but if our brain is those boxes, and here's kind of how it works, what happens is when, when we begin to think a certain way, we have trained ourselves over the years that when stuff happens in our life, we've trained ourselves to go to certain boxes, and there's stuff in those boxes that we do without thinking. And here, here's what I mean. For, for some of you, when you have a bad day at work, when you're depressed, you, you've trained yourself to go to a box to get comfort, and it tells you, hey, if you'll just eat or drink a bunch, you'll feel better. And so you do that every single time, and then you feel bad. I overate. I, I shouldn't have drank that much. But what's happened is you've done it so many times that you, when you have a bad day at work now or when you begin to feel depressed, you just automatically go to that same box, and that box tells you the same thing every time, and you just follow what it says. For some of you, you struggle with, with lust, and, and, and for you, you've, you've just kind of gotten into a habit where, hey, if you're tempted, you, you kind of go to a certain box, and, and the box tells you, hey, if, if you'll just look at porn maybe one more time, it's not going to hurt anybody, and this will be the last time. And you've just trained yourself. Every time you struggle with temptation, you, oh, I shouldn't do this, I don't want to do this, and you, you just, you've done it so many times, you just go to the same box, and it tells you the same thing. And here's what has to happen. You have to begin to replace what's in that box. And it doesn't happen overnight. And if you will put time into tearing down strongholds and not just allowing those thoughts to stay there and then replace them with truth, one day what's going to happen? You're going to have a really bad day at work. And you're going to go to that box, and it's going to be something true in that box instead of the lie that you've been believing. One day when you're struggling with temptation and you're tempted to look at porn, 
you're going to go to that box, and instead of that box having websites and places that you go, there's going to be truth from God's Word in there because you have done the hard work of replacing lies with truth, and you're going to be transformed. But it's not going to happen just because one time you did that. It's going to happen when you win the battle by going to war and not giving up. See, winning the battle in your mind, it requires that you take those wrong thoughts captive and replace them with truth. And so here's my challenge to you as we close. I want you to identify one stronghold, one lie that you believe. Shouldn't be hard. If you just take, take a few minutes, and you, and you don't have to do it right now, but I want you this week to identify one lie, one stronghold that you've been believing. And then I want you to name the truth that demolishes that lie. Just, just one. You might be like, dude, I got like seven lies, I believe. I got seven things that, no, I don't, you don't got to do seven. Just choose one. Find one lie that you've been believing And I want you to do a little bit of work this week to replace that lie with truth. Go find the truth that demolishes that lie. And let's begin to not be a victim, but to, because of what Jesus did on the cross, have victory in our thinking. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the fact that we don't have to We don't have to be a victim in our thinking. We don't have to be someone that just gives in and just gives up. We don't have to struggle with fear and anxiety and not thinking we're enough. We don't have to struggle with lust. We don't have to, it doesn't have to be forever. And and Lord, we're so thankful it's It's not because we're powerful. It's not because we create the right weapons. It's because we have access because of Jesus to weapons that will wage war and win. Lord, I pray for my friends here that are here tonight, some that are watching online. I pray that they would not listen to the lie of Satan that they're the exception. And I pray that they would identify the strongholds, the lies that they've been believing, and that they would replace that with truth. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you've been thinking about identifying a lie. Has something come to your mind? Maybe for some of you it's going to take a few days and just kind of think about it. Maybe for some of you it's immediately as we begin to talk about lies we believe something came to your mind. And over this this next week, we want to be praying for you and with you that God will help you identify that lie and replace it with truth. And if you'd say, hey, Chris, man, I, I would love for other people to pray for me. I'd love for other people to pray with and for me this week. Because I really don't want to be a victim. I don't want people that I love to be hurt because I never battled with my thoughts and I just kind of gave in. If that's you and you'd say, man, I'd love for someone to pray for me, then before you leave, would you take that prayer card that's in front of you? 
And you can just put your name on it and then just maybe just put in that spot, just, hey, pray for me as I battle with this stronghold. Just write it in there. We're not going to advertise what you wrote. We just have a small team that prays. We would love to pray with and for you this week. You can just take that prayer card and drop it in the offering basket on the way out, and we would, we'd love to join you in prayer. Because honestly, prayer is one of those weapons that we fight our battles with. It's one of those weapons we have access to that help us be transformed. And so we want to pray for you. God, I thank you for this evening. I thank you again for your word. I pray that you would do a work in us, whether we're watching online or we're here this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.